Hey there, since we're at the top of a season, I want to remind everybody that the show really only grows because of word of mouth. Uh, if you can tell a friend about the show or tweet about it or go and post about it on message board or social media, uh, that does uh, make a noticeable difference for us. So yeah, please help spread the word as we get started with The Wind Through the Keyhole. Welcome to Radio Free Midworld, a podcast about the Dark Tower series of books by Stephen King. I'm Cole Ross, and I'm your host, and today I'm joined by Evan Thorne. Hey, Evan. Hey, Cole. Just you and me again. Yeah. Here to talk about a really fun and good book. Oh, I'm so excited. I know I say this about every single one of them. Like, there's something to love about all of these, but wow, is the wind through the keyhole just a, like just this easy, breezy, wonderful, cool thing. Yeah. Uh, I've I've mentioned this several times before on this show, but I this is the first time that I've read this, um, and I have only read up through the section that we are covering tonight. Oh um, God! So I left you like right on the precipice of something really cool. Yeah, no, I I that was very intentional. Like I don't want to get ahead of myself. Uh-huh. I am so ridiculously excited, and <laughs> I I started reading, and I. This is exactly what I wanted it to be. Nice. Yeah. Um, So that's cool. I'm very happy that you're in a situation where you were saving yourself. uh, You're you're, you're saving dessert, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And and I just, you know, I've I've wanted to read this since it came out. And for various reasons, I just didn't get around to it. And then once uh, this show kind of started to take shape, I deliberately put it off and so now finally getting to read it it's uh you know i i i I feel like patience is a virtue that i should maybe practice more (laughs) well this is a this is a good way to a good way to practice it. i dragged my feet up i I dragged my feet about this too um just because it you know came out so long after the series had concluded i was really iffy about the idea of them of of him just kind of like just wedging this in between two books that i already know and love like just everything about it seemed like a gamble that shouldn't that shouldn't have paid off so yeah i that initially was definitely part of why i hesitated yeah because like oh gosh is this going to be something that like ruin retroactively makes something that i like a lot cheaper right yeah, and, and I was worried about that, and it, it took a while before enough of my friends who I trust read it. Yep, and told me that was not the case. Same thing. the uh, The guys on Video Games Hot Dog started gushing about it, and I was like, "All right, I trust this now." Yeah, no, my uh, my my good friend uh, Andy Waslotsky, who um, I tell constantly to listen to this fucking show, and I <laughs> doubt that he is. Yeah. Um. He he read this and and he told me that it was good. And once he said that it was good and worth reading, uh, that was when I got comfortable with the idea of reading it. And then it took me like, you know, oh, you five, several years, five <laughs> six years to get around yeah. to it. <laughs> so so let's talk a little bit a little bit about what would have made us nervous. So this came out in 2012 uh, after you know book seven came out in 2004, very finally ending the uh, the series. Um, and it didn't really start out as a, um, as a dark tower book. Uh, so structurally, yeah. this is a story within a story within a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which I am all about. 
Yeah, and like some. I re- I love. I, I'm a, I'm a total sucker for nonlinear storytelling, mm-hmm. and Stephen King does it better than most, and not nearly often enough. Right. Yeah. Um, I forget the point that I was going to make about that. Um, <laughs> no, it's, uh, some reviews that I read uh, kind of highlighted something that I think really, really rings true. Like the way in which this story or this book is meta and the way, you know, elements from one story will kind of like play into, you know, stuff one level up and just kind mm-hmm. of in general, the glee that it takes and being kind of all about the trans the, the transportative power of story is a really good kind of like primer or reset almost taking you into wolves of the Kala and the back trilogy, you know, the back trilogy of the book, which is kind of, yeah, which I'm, leans very heavily into those kinds of elements. I am very, very like, I'm, I'm only like a third of the way through this oh. book and I haven't read, or I haven't, I haven't gotten to wolves of the Kala for this read through of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was thinking about that also. Like, this seems like such a logical transition. Yeah. Because you've got... There's a lot going on. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, like, I'm totally fine oh, being thrown God. in... I'm totally fine being thrown into the deep end with Wolves of the Kala. And I think that even, oh, yeah. even that, like, it takes a while within that book to ramp you up. Um, yeah, but but it, it does kind of, like... Wolves of the Kala is is a... Without giving anything away, it's kind of an abrupt change of tone. Very much so. And, and it, it definitely sets the tone for the back half of the series. But so far, from what I can tell, this is a very, very good um, transition piece to kind of make that shift less jarring. Yes. So, you know, I didn't read the entire series too long before this came out. Um but anybody who is following along with the show or anybody who is picking up the series after to, you know, 2012, when this came out, like I have no reservations about saying this fits in between like, yeah, just go right from four into this and then into five. Yeah. I I feel like this, this should be retconned into the continuity of the series. Like this, and this this is, this is book five. Yeah. Uh, You know, Stephen, Stephen King has come out and said that, yeah, this is like book four, four and a half. Like I tried to write it so people who aren't familiar with the Dark Tower can read it. I think that's mostly true. Um, yeah, I if I didn't know the characters, I would have a very hard time giving a shit. The 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 stuff with Eddie and Susanna, like all the present day stuff, would be very difficult. Once star once stuff starts getting rolling with the mystery level of it, like the werewolf story, oh then yeah, it, then, then I think that's when you're cooking with gas. Right? Yeah, I yes, but um, I I. I feel like it would be it, I don't know if I would have the patience to even get there if I yeah. didn't know the characters to get through those and, 30 pages of yeah some people that you don't give a shit about yeah yeah and like the weird like fairy guy who gives them sandwiches like fucking <laughs> it, I I wouldn't care if I didn't already care <laughs> right and it's great. I love it. Like it's uh-huh. it's, it's so good. And yeah. and I'm as a fan of the series, I yeah. I absolutely love the the way it's set up and the way that it's yeah like presented. The, the the caveat being, you wouldn't care if you didn't care. However, you care quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. But um, 
and and even once we get into the the story, the the mystery, and uh, presumably the story within a story within a story, mm-hmm. um, it's good. I don't know if I would find it that impressive if I didn't know Roland. Yeah. Um, and I... and that's that's something that I want to talk about as we get kind of deeper into it. Is just like the 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 additional dimensions this brings to Roland, which I think is very, very interesting and right. fits so much better than it should. Yeah. Um, so I guess let's put that to the audience. If you are somebody who started with the Wind Through the Keyhole, write into us. There's the contact form on the uh, on the on the webpage. Or if you know somebody who did that, um I'm just curious. Like I don't yeah, know that please I, do. like, yeah, there there's no point that I need proven or anything. I just want to know if that's a use case that has been kicked around outside of Stephen King's forward. And then our discussion about it. Yeah. No, I'm I, I am equally curious if if that has been your experience. Please let me know how it is. Let yeah. us know. Um, I honestly can't imagine what it would be like just because I've been reading these books for so long. <laughs> They've been. Um, yeah. Um, so the three yeah. the three levels of the narrative here, uh, you know, starts out the framing story is Roland and the present day Kotet. Uh, proceeding on after the Emerald Palace, you know, in Wizard and Glass. You know, they haven't gotten to Calibrin Sturgis yet. Um, the second level is kind of a flashback or a story of young Roland, um, who's kind of sent on a mission. <laughs> Basically, it's him and his buddy Jamie going off and being witchers in a mining town. Um, yeah. Which is awesome. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> it, it's, it is every bit as cool as it sounds yep <laughs> um but yeah it's it's it takes place after the wizard and glass flashback right um so it's it's the, the events that transpired in uh what did we decide on pronunciation magus 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 yeah magus cool neither of mine <laughs> um those those have already happened and those are already influencing yeah. roland uh within this story right um, and now that I actually think about it, like I could almost see how people might have like flashback fatigue going from if if you've never read these books going from Wizard and Glass straight to this. Yeah, they're going to a place called Thunderclap. I want to go to Thunderclap. Thunderclap sounds cool. <laughs> that always just reminds me of Thundercles, the neighbor from the Brack show. Three hams will certainly kill him. <laughs> Three hams will fill him. <laughs> Three hams will thrill him. <laughs> God, I love the Brack show. I I, uh, oh. I recently did a rewatch of all the Brack show. It is so it's good. So good. <laughs> the dad. Oh my God. Oh God. The the, the, the tiny. The yes, tiny... mother. What do you think of my new slacks? <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. The, I the... feel like the dad should be offensive, but I don't know to whom. I, I mean, he's just he's just tiny Ricky Ricardo. Is, is what he is. Basically, but like I. It, it's it's tiny Ricky Ricardo, but more of a stereotype, and I feel like someone should be offended by it. But yeah. I honestly, gun to my head, could not tell you <laughs> who could possibly be offended by it. Yeah, which is it's the perfect kind of caricature. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so far away from reality. Um, yeah, yeah. Now the Brett. This the... has been this has been Bratcast. <laughs> yep um yeah no the brack show holds up for sure and this is like the the 15th time three hams has come up oh um in God. the past week uh it's a real it, when it rains it pours kind of thing 
Yeah, this is probably the 15th time Three Hams has come up in my life in 2018. Yeah. Like, it's, it's time is due. Yeah. If if you don't know what we're talking about, that's on you. <laughs> just go you on YouTube. You need to correct and, that. Just go on YouTube <laughs> and do a search for Three Hams Will Kill Him. It's, just, it's, yeah. like, a, it's like a little 30-second bit. Um, <laughs> it's one of the greatest things that humanity has ever created. Yeah. Um, um, but the flashback anyway. <laughs> that, 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 that you are kind of like, yeah. you know, in a lot of ways, this picks up the majority of this book picks up right after the end of the flashback, which already had uh, its own kind of pacing problems in the original kind of continuity or run of the series. Right. Yeah. And, and I. I guess, again, if, if if your experience with these books is following along with this podcast, like. I mean, A, that's awesome. I know there's a number of people for, for whom that's the case, and that's really, really cool. And Thank I'm you. super excited to be uh, a part of your experience of these books. Like, that's amazing. Uh, but please, please, please let us know um, kind of your your take on how two flashback books in a row <laughs> hits you. How it sits with you, yeah. Because – because for me, I love it, but I'm yep. coming at this from a like very different perspective than someone who is reading through it for the first time. Yeah, and for me, I was already pretty on board with young, you know, young Roland in the in the original telling, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so the, the the third level, the innermost one, is when Roland uh, is telling a fairy tale. He's telling a story that his mom used to tell him. Uh, trying to keep uh, keep somebody entertained, keep them company. Yeah, um, and I, I haven't read. I, I've gotten to the part where that starts, and I quit because I'm <laughs> because you wanted to you, you wanted to come in here um, not having that on your mind. Yeah, you I'm, I'm, I'm saving myself for the real thing. Eye of the tiger, and also body of the tiger, um, and then the body of the bear. The body, yeah, it just it'll, uh, it'll cycle through. Yeah, and also uh, eye of the dragon, if you will. Oh, yeah. I, I, want, uh -huh. I wonder if our skin man has that in his repertoire. He, he can be a big lizard man. That's um, true. <laughs> so that innermost one. We, though, should, go ahead. We, we should probably stop referring to a skin man until we get to what that is because uh, yeah. it does sound vaguely obscene out of context. <laughs> it's fine. It's a very good name for yeah. for for, uh, for for a shapeshifter, like a werewolf. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I really <laughs> like it. it. It's like it's it feels less hokey to me than like Skinwalker or oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but the first time that I saw it, the only thought in my brain was Celery Man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Give me a printout of Oyster Smiling. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Took me a um, second. I don't know why it took me so long, because normally that is as yeah, top of mind as three hams. Yeah. I was I, I'm honestly a little bit disappointed. Um, I, there, there was, there, there was like, too much like too much room has been taken up by steamed hams and three hams. Like, it's real. It's real it's strange days. Hams all the way down. Yep. <laughs> no, no room for Celery Man. <laughs> Um, so anyway, this, this fairy tale that's, that's kind of enough a, weird internet references. Yeah. Let's keep going with uh, our fucking Dorco fantasy book. Let's do it. Um, yeah. So that this, that that this is two two white dudes with beards talk about fantasy. Let's go. Yeah. Let's that, get back to it. That inner, innermost story um, was kind of the beginning of this. You know, King had just kind of started writing it and said, hey, this could be part of like a collection. Let's do like three, you know, fairy tale novella kind of things. And that eventually turned into um, a Midworld story right mm -hmm. around the same time that he was planning out the story for Dr. Sleep, the sequel to The Shining that I am listening to right now um, that shouldn't work but does. 
Yeah, I I, th- I also have not read that yet, but I definitely want to. Yeah. Uh, because I remember, um, I, I remember when he put out the online poll to see what people were more interested in, and I was flabbergasted that a sequel to The Shining beat out another Dark Tower volume. Yeah, just barely though. Um, so we did put up a poll saying like, "Hey, I've got these two ideas for revisiting these different things." Um, and I think that Dr. Sleep won, and he was going to write them both eventually, but it was, which one should I do first? Dr. Sleep yeah. won by like 40 votes or something like that. It, it, it was a slim margin, but I was, I, I <laughs> fully anticipated another Dark Tower book to just steamroll it. Like, yeah, I, I had absolutely no doubt in my mind that it, it would be like no, no contest. Yeah. And then when Dr. Sleep won by whatever margin it it was yeah. kind of surprising it's it's but, easier to imagine a, another story in midworld than it is to look at the end of the shining and say you know there's more here yes right <laughs> yes uh because there's oh so much in midworld yeah <laughs> and i oh. think that kind of a universal feeling uh among people who have read and enjoyed the dark tower books is wanting more of it mm-hmm. and so it's like yes 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 give us more (laughs) give us another one please yeah uh dr Uh, sleep could take a shit i'm about halfway through it right now and you know stephen king books the back halves are kind of kind of iffy um yeah but so far i'm I'm enjoying it yeah i've I've heard it's good i i've I've heard it's like it doesn't it it doesn't take a shit in the back half um it, it it isn't one that i hear people talk about very much but it's good yeah yeah um, so we're going to cover this. Uh, we're going to cover the Winter of the Gill in four episodes. It is a shorter book than the other Dark Tower books. I think that it's about the same length as like the Gunslinger is. Uh, yeah, or but Song of Susanna. Yeah, um, but it's kind of a, the 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 structure makes it weird to like to 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 bunch it all up. Like we can't do all of the fairy tale in one episode because there's just kind of too much there. Yeah, and, yeah. and like. I, I sent you an email uh, yesterday, I think, just mm-hmm. like making sure where we were cutting it for today because it, it felt like not quite enough to stop where I did. But mm-hmm. I also didn't have any sense of how long the fairy tale was going to go on for. So I wasn't sure. It's the bulk of the book. Um, yeah. I, and I kind of figured it might be, but I also could see if it wasn't and the like Midworld Witcher <laughs> stuff was the the meat of it and yeah it's yeah the the structure is very interesting so far and um i i think that breaking this up into more episodes rather than less is the way to go yeah because especially with its status as like a late addition to the series yes um and it is relatively kind of like detail packed um there's there's a there's a lot kind of packed into it which is yeah definitely which runs counter to the idea that this is a really breezy read um i think it's probably the breeziest of them in the series honestly like that's like even more so than uh the, than gunslinger um yeah i'd i'd say that this and gunslinger are about on par at, at least the, the original uh original version of the gunslinger mm-hmm. before it was revised to fit with the dark tower right which is the the version that I initially read that that that's a pretty quick breezy standalone novel yeah um but yeah this 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 definitely does have a lot of detail and if you're uh into sitting down and 
picking this apart to the nth degree, which we very much are, yeah. uh, it's great for that. So that's what we're going to do. Yeah. Starting with the chapter called Stark Blast. Um, which this came out uh, before the Game of Thrones TV series, but after uh, the book Game of Thrones and the rest of A Song of Ice and Fire. <laughs> and so I, I love those books, too. And I could do an entire podcast all by myself just fucking talking about those books, even <laughs> though no one would listen and rightly so. Um <laughs> But Stark Blast just makes me think of uh, of old Nettie. Uh, uh, yeah, Ned, Ned Stark in the North, like, <laughs> and and weirdly, I I don't know if Stephen King read those books and this was either a conscious or unconscious uh, homage to that. But either way, it fits really fucking well once you yeah. learn what a Stark Blast is. Yeah, it is. It is a very apt description for this kind of. A horribly scary weather phenomenon that happens yeah. in, in in midworld. Yeah, it's yeah. it's basically a Midwest winter, <laughs> but it happens like really, really suddenly. Yeah, an, yeah. an entire Midwest winter condensed into like forty eight hours. Right, right. It's like uh, like well, what have you? What have boom? It was suddenly February in the beginning, uh, you know, like in, in an early afternoon. Yeah, yeah, but but the entire month of February. Yeah, just kind of packed in <laughs> all at once. Um, so this opens up really uneventfully, just kind of like easing us back into the characters, not really doing an awful lot of note, but like <laughs> giving you the idea that like, oh, Eddie's a, Eddie's a jokester. Uh, Jake is a young, yeah. as, as, as a young kid. And they're talking about like, oh, not every kid comes back from the dead. Just kind of saying like, okay, we're just going to feel this out because here we are with our cotet again. Yeah. And like they, they pretty much just got out of the wizard and glass situation. Yeah. Like it, it, it establishes right away that like, this is not long after the events of that book at all. Right. And, and so they're, they're kind of just keep on keeping on. Um, not yeah. like nothing remarkable has happened. <laughs> it's like just another day. They're just on the road and you, you kind of get a sense a little bit of a sense of like the the day to day with the group, which is very very cool if you've been invested in the characters up to this point. Right. If you are like me and you just want to spend as you know you want to spend as much time as possible with this group of people. Yeah. If 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 like me and I'm I'm going to assume Cole, you just wish that these people were your best friends. Yeah, and you were just kind of hanging out. Yeah. You know, doing stuff like in my fan except, fiction. Except for when it gets dangerous, at which point you're glad it's a book. Right. And then it gets scary. Then you can. But this is the part where it's not scary. And you're just like, yeah, it'd be cool to hang out. It's just buddies on the road. Yeah. Come on, guys. <laughs> um, but yeah. it's 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 interesting because they, they have um, Jake is not with the group initially. Mm -hmm. And he's he's like up ahead alone and Eddie and Susanna are initially kind of concerned about him because, you know, he's an 11 year old boy and yeah. that's a, a good person to be concerned about. Yeah. But Roland says, Hey, he's got his gun and also Oi is with him and Oi has a yeah. really good sense for if there are bad, bad people around. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and Roland, I forget what the exact line is, but, but Roland basically says like, you know, if anybody, anybody crosses Jake, they're the ones that are likely to be sorry. Yeah. <laughs> which like fuck yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> Jake's badass. They all are. Yeah. Like, they, they... No, they, absolutely. And like that, it, it's just so casual and it's just, it's a throwaway line mm-hmm. and it's just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> great. But yeah, um, he's up there. Uh, Roland has been noticing Oi acting kind of strange. Um, mm-hmm. However, like he's uh, frequently like sniffing the air and looking, uh, looking in their back trail, uh, looking to the Northwest. Uh, and he's getting kind of these inklings of the story, uh, story from his youth as they roll up to um, Jake, who has made a new friend. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> a weird, weird old dude named Bix. Yep. Uh, just a, who immediately seems like he's up to something. But uh, as far as I can tell, is actually just kind of a sweet guy. Yeah, he's just he's just a sweetheart. Like he's a, yeah. he's, he's the ferryman. Uh, he, yeah, he takes... I kept I kept looking for for hints or clues that he was up to no good, and I got nothing. Like he, he's like Stephen King so rarely gives us just a sweet a sweet old man, <laughs> right? With, with no ulterior motive. I mean, yeah. even in this series, it's kind of a problem. Um, yeah, <laughs> but no, no, Bix is uh, Bix is solid. Like he's he yeah. lives he lives alone. Like most everybody uh, who you know would have used his services. They're all they're all dead. You know, there's no really no reason to cross the river, but he just kind of like lives out his days fishing and, you know, waiting for travelers along the road, um, you know, to, to, to get to the river. Why? And of course, we yeah. get Eddie and proper dad joke forum saying you say river. Why? I say river. Why not? <laughs> for no reason. And also kind of not a joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, no context. There's it's it's a punchline without a setup, yep. which is. <laughs> I have a three-year-old, and I, I, I've i gotten almost daily more appreciative of uh, the art of the dad joke. And oh, yeah. Eddie, Eddie Dean, oh. He nails it. Master. <laughs> Masterful. Yeah. Uh, Bix wonders, like, hey, are you going to the callus? The, you know, they're, they're pretty much right across the river here. Or are you going, you know, far beyond to, uh, maybe he calls it, like, the big dark or something like that. Yeah. And he's just completely blown away that there are gunslingers here. And he thinks they're crazy for not just wanting to settle down and eat some rice. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. He, they they want to eat some popkins. Yeah. That's and, that's what it is. And and, and he uh, and, and he obliges. He gives them some uh, some fish burritos. Comes comes out with a basket of them. Yeah. He's like, "Hey, what up? Uh, uh, <laughs> pl- 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 plenty to share." Uh although none of them are muties, you know, like there are more there's more threaded than muties and Mm-hmm. You know, uh, things have gotten just look, things are so far gone that even the ethos of like, oh, take all of the muties and throw them up onto the hill so they die and don't breed. Like he's even given that up. Like he's more yeah. than 120 years old and he has decided to live and not live. I, I, I can respect that decision making. This isn't hurting anything so far as I can tell. So why don't why, why doesn't Billy the Bass just, just let him live? <laughs> yeah. Love singing that song, Billy Bass. Uh. I didn't realize what I said until I said it. Yeah, I, I don't know how you didn't realize it because that's literally the only bass reference that I think exists. <laughs> somebody, I think it was Jala sent me a uh, sent me a link to somebody who had uh, modified their Billy Bass to be a, an Amazon Echo. Yes. <laughs> oh yes. So when they spoke, it was like, "Hey, blank, uh, what's the weather?" It would turn its head and say, "Currently, it is." <laughs> Um, I don't, if I didn't send this to you, uh, it's because I forgot, but, um, uh, my girlfriend sent me a, oh, what, I think it was called Furlexa, which is somebody who took a part of Furby and made it into 
uh, an Echo Dot. Oh, no. Did, did, and, did, he, did he leave the skin on or leave it off? Uh, well, they, they had to take it off to to make it. Uh-huh. And then you can put it back or not. Yeah. And a, a the, Furby without the fur. It's, I mean, it's it's one of those classic, like, cursed images of the internet. It is it is some straight-up Dark Tower shit, actually. Yeah. It's coming like, for you. It's not going to stop. I, I feel like they would be, um, we're not really there yet, but um, they they would be uh, allies of Mordred. Mm, yeah, he just has a whole like little swarm of them. It's yeah. Kind of, just, just carries them behind him on a wagon. Yeah, <laughs> uh, cool. I'm not going to sleep tonight, so. <laughs> oh, fuzzy. Yeah, no, <laughs> I had a Furby. We all had Furbies. None of us asked yeah. for them. We just woke up and they were there. Yeah, I don't know anybody who was excited to have a Furby. I think it was one of those things like a Cabbage Patch Kid that parents got into a frenzy about because they were rare because parents were getting into a frenzy about them. And so, like, God damn it, you're going to get a Furby whether you want one or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Bix, like we said, he's a ferryman, and he mm-hmm. tells a story about going to get his uh, motor, which is powered by Crank, the motor for his raft. Uh, it has no central positronic stamped on it. Because, of uh, course, it does. Oh, because, of course. And he got it from a gigantic cave that was full of strange music um, that was full of this (laughs) stuff. (laughs) I can only assume that the strange music was Velcro Fly. Yeah, but it was like the bass line, not the drums. Like just Exactly, yeah. All of of the stems from this track have just been spread to all the corners of Midworld. Yes. Like, at any time that there's strange music, I just assume that it's something from Velcro Fly. Yeah. (laughs) And I love it. I love that. That is the, the the bong rattling bass. The the fact that it's never addressed or confirmed, <laughs> but there's enough. Th- th- there's just enough to give you reason to think it might be the case. Like that's one of my favorite things about <laughs> the entire series is that any reference to strange music, it's like oh, it's ZZ Top. Yeah, why not? Like just a, <laughs> some, I don't know what album this was on, but let's just say like. Eliminator. Oh, nobody does. ZZ yeah. Top doesn't know anymore. Yeah, yeah, they just know that. Oh, that song that all those nerds might remember from that book. I just yeah. one of my favorite character beats around that. We, we we talked about it when it happened, but just how insulted Eddie Dean is that people are killing themselves over a track that wasn't even a single. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was. It, it it I I think was a single because there is a music video and we talked about this. Yeah, we did. Um, there's a very very special music video and i'm still waiting on those dirt boys to uh to to give us a crossover yeah they should we should remind them of that um yeah fourth single there we go okay eddie was just uh mistaken about it (laughs) yeah well it's still it wasn't like a charting single like it didn't do well like yeah sort of from from afterburner sure yeah (laughs) that that is certainly an album yeah um (laughs) Like it was, it was a single because there was a music video, but it didn't do well enough to make it on ZZ Top's greatest hits, which I mm. definitely checked out from the library when I was a teen. Oh, of course, because you know when you're a teen, that is the only time for ZZ Top. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, in correct. England they call ZZ Top. I hope that's true. I I don't think it is. I don't think it is. <laughs> if, <laughs> if if you're Patty, please write in and let us know. <laughs> also, if you're Patty, come back on the show. Also, yeah, we yeah, missed it's you. Been, it's, been, it's been a little bit. I need to, I need to reach yeah. out to him and see. There, there wasn't like a big thing. He just didn't sign up for episodes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, like he he went to get this. Uh, he went he went to get this, and through the process, was exposed to enough radiation that his teeth fell out. Mm-hmm. Not not Patty. I'm talking about Vix now. It's... Oh 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 yeah yeah yeah. Okay, got it. <laughs> Woo. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Bix asked about Lud, saying like, "Yeah, I used to get some travelers from Lud. Uh, you know, how are they doing? It was a wondrous city. <laughs> how are uh, they doing? Bad, real bad. Yeah, very very bad." It's it's, it's not, a bad situation. <laughs> it's not enough that like uh that, that Eddie says, "Oh yeah, they're they're dust in the wind." And then somebody else chimes in and says, "Well, more like glowing ash." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it was <laughs> to to every season turn turn turn. Yeah, Lud was going to go down anyway. The, the subject does change a little bit abruptly. A little uh, bit because Bix is like, "Hey, you probably noticed that your Billy Bumbler is losing his shit." Yeah, and and he he has some insight, which is that if it wasn't for me pointing this out, you guys would be fucked. Yeah, there's a perfect storm coming. Yeah, yeah. basically, start start blast a coming, and you have to find uh, you know, like once you get once you get across there, you're gonna have to find some uh, some shelter. Yeah, and, and they he he refers to a Stark blast and Roland obviously knows exactly what he's talking about right. and nobody else does he's just forgotten about it like oh god how could i have been so dumb this is well, literally yeah. the only reason that billy bumblers exist or Th- throcken throcken is the name that they call them by yeah that that's like the the older more formal name which mm-hmm. i'm glad that that exists <laughs> because billy bumbler is kind of a goofy like billy bumbler sounds more authentically uh, uh midworld to me because it's just yeah. goofy and... absolutely but but throcken seems very gilead yes this is true seems very so, old speech yeah um but yeah i you, you kind of get the feeling that a stark blast is something that like it it doesn't really come around it's not really a thing that most people um think about or worry about but there are stories about them and roland knows the stories and so I, I didn't have the sense that Roland had lived through one. I think he, he, he described like being near them. Like he, he said he has heard them in places yeah. nearby. Like when it's, yeah. when it's happened, he's, he, he's been aware of them happening, but like yeah. Roland for all he's done up to this point hasn't experienced. Them. Yeah. It just so has, like they're hasn't not... been top of mind. Like it wasn't the first thing that he thought of yeah. when, when, when an animal talk, well, it starts, starts acting weird. Yeah. They're, they're not overly common. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But they are bad. Yeah. But but bad enough that, like, taking shelter from one is the entire setup for the rest of this novel, right? Yes. Like, you know, Bick says, hey, there's a there's a town hall. It's made of stone. You can probably hold up there. Just take take the pieces of the houses and burn those for warmth because you're going to need it. Um, also, you know, once you get down the road, if you see that goddamn Andy, tell him I don't want no songs <laughs> and I don't want my goddamn horoscope read. So... This, Which, if you're, you know, without oh. context, you think, wait a minute, who the fuck is Andy? And Roland and everybody else says, wait a minute, who is Andy? Trust me, we're going to get to know Andy. Yeah. <laughs> Although, I almost wish we didn't. <laughs> that it was just a, just that it was that just was a dangling. total non sequitur. Like, like it is, it is a beautiful and brilliant piece of fan service mm-hmm. um, and foreshadowing. Right. But, oh, my God, I really wish that there was not a character named Andy in this entire series. 
And it was just like, if you see that fucking Andy, tell him I don't want any. Like, <laughs> what? Now, if you see Sneaky Pete, tell him I still want my <laughs> boogie board back. What, what are you talking about, old man? Oh, like that that was my entire thought. Like, like I got to that and I was like, oh, that's really cool. I wish it wasn't. I really genuinely wish it wasn't. That would be the funniest fucking thing. Yeah. But it's a great call for it. Like it reminds oh, me that we totally, are like we're, yeah. that we're like straddling these two stories. And yeah. he's, he's close enough to be annoyed by Andy, which is if you're near enough to be aware of Andy, then you're annoyed of him. Yes. <laughs> so Um so they 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 get across the river. Vix gets him across the river and assures them that he'll be fine and uh, kind of starts taking the ferry back to his side. Um, yeah, they're really worried then, about whether or not he's going to uh, he's going to survive. And he even says, like, hey, on your way back, tell me stories of your journey. He's like, yeah, OK, cool. See ya. We'll, we'll totally call you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a feeling that Vix is fine. Like he, he he's he's been around for 120 years. Like I have yeah. a feeling that that you know he's all right. He's been around for 120 uh, years, and he can immediately identify when a Stark was to come and. Yeah, like he he seems like he was prepared for it when yeah. they got there. Yeah. So like I I don't actually worry about Bix. Yeah. But um, I, I I wish him well. I don't want anything bad to happen to him. I just think he's got to get head on his shoulders. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, but so so as soon as he's gone, Roland explains what a Stark Blast is, which is uh, a winter storm that is so intense that the trees basically implode, explode, sort of. Right. Like, they, like the, the... They, they contract inward so suddenly that they explode. Right. So and it's... the birds flying through the sky freeze in mid flight which seems like an exaggeration but not by necessarily that much right like it just describes like it's almost like a like a wall of a snap freeze that that, that, yeah. that comes along like a like in that movie the day after tomorrow or something like that um yeah. or 2012 just pick your pick your disaster flick of choice um but i just love that image of just this coming down over a, over a forest and you know roland describes it like it sounds like grenades going off by these trees Either yeah. cracking or shattering, just you know, freezing so quickly that they can't maintain their integrity. Yeah, and there's the, he he talks about um, just everything freezing, and uh, at, at one point he he says that the um, the grass turns to glass. Yeah, <laughs> which like yeah that that seems uncharacteristically poetic <laughs> for Roland. Yeah. But also real cool. Yeah, he's not somebody who generally speaks in flowery imagery, so you can you can safely take him literally when he yeah. when he describes that you know how how thorough this freezing is that even the glass will shatter the the grass will shatter. Yeah, yeah. Um, um so, so they're yeah they're 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 going on and they they the 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 whole thing with Oi acting strange is that uh, Billy Bumblers can detect when one of these is coming on right right kind of like how there are all those uh i'm gonna call them myths but i don't think they are uh but just that knowledge that like oh horses can tell when it's about to rain um, yeah you know you can you can you can tell by watching the way they, they move their tails and stuff or cows will cows will seek cover before or like do, like dogs knowing when earthquakes are going to come like just in yeah. general throcken or billy bumblers are just tuned to when these things are going to come around and yeah. that's kind of why they were cultivated and kept around was 
A, because they talk and it's like a nice little parlor trick. Uh, but B, like they were they, they they were basically a warding for this terrible disaster so people could start getting getting things in order. Yeah. Uh but that that leads us to one of the most Roland statements in maybe the entire Dark Tower series. <laughs> I forget. What um, is it? Jake asks, how do the bumblers know? And uh, what is it? it? Roland only shook his head. The how and why of things had never interested him much. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I was listening to this while I was doing dishes and my hands were too, uh, my hands were too wet for me to like immediately take a note of that. Yeah. Yeah. It, that, that's just like. It's rolling, rolling uh, in a sentence. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's great. Yeah. Um, so they get to this town. Uh, it's called Gook, although it is written out as though it was a, a, a slur. I yep. know that it is pronounced Gook because I listen the the, uh, the audio book is narrated by Stephen King, so you get the actual pronunciation. That's um, good. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. That makes me marginally more comfortable. Yeah. Um, and we just have like misadventures of them getting ready. Like Susanna gets covered in chimney soot so much that it's de- de- almost de- in like a slapstick. Yeah, moment like <laughs> it's like oh, it's it, like it'd be part of a montage. Like let's 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 yeah. re- let's <laughs> fix up the old rec center so we can throw the car wash to save the rec center. Um, like her getting covered, you know, her her basically having a chimney disaster would be like a comedy beat during that. Yeah, yeah, uh, um, and and yeah, she like chimney soot falls down. Uh, Detta comes out and just starts swearing, and then Jake walks in and is just. <laughs> wide-eyed and and i forget the exact passage but like says in this tone of utmost respect like you know more swears than my dad yeah you swear i didn't you think swear better anyone than my dad. knew more yeah you swear better than my dad <laughs> like it's great it's 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 a very uh a very fun charming moment <laughs> but yeah they're gathering firewood always starts going nuts and they hear the storm approaching they hear the trees shattering and there's this real desperate moment as jake like risks his life going out to save boy like they basically have to form a bit of a human chain to pull him in as the wind starts whipping up and they barely get the door closed in time yeah um a little bit like the beginning of uh wasteland or the middle of wastelands when they're getting to getting across the bridge actually yeah actually i didn't think about that parallel but yeah, yeah. but like they're locked in you know for a, for a good long while you know, they have no idea how these things are going to go. So they say, hey, Roland, tell us a story. And he says, hey, I'm going to tell you, I'll give you two for the price of one. I'm going to give you a story inside a story. Um, and both of them relate to uh, Stark Blast and Billy, Bun- Billy Bumblers. Taking us to young Roland times with the section called The Skin Man, Part 1. Roland's first story uh, takes us back into Gilead. You know, he's gotten back uh, with his with his buddies. They're still within like the six-month mourning period after the death of his mom, Gabrielle. Um, and kind of the official story that they're giving everybody is that she was possessed by a demon and basically had to be put down, which uh, that is, and, and he kind of goes on to say that, that that's kind of the rote story. Anytime anybody takes their own life. Yes. It's like, oh, they were possessed by a demon who compelled them to take their own life. And so even though that's not exactly that, that doesn't even really exactly fit the situation. Yeah. It's the uh, uh, that's, demon possession that's, is the fan death of Gilead. Yeah, that's that's the official official obituary. Yeah. 
But yeah, um, and Roland is kind of doing self-imposed kind of penance, uh, taking care of a now elderly court that was really deteriorated in this version of the story, uh, irrespective of the comics where we see court kind of still kicking around. Um, Roland's yeah. trial was court's last. Yeah, I was I was surprised by that because I didn't get I didn't get the impression from Roland's trial that it that that was the end of court. Right. Like it took his eye, but you know. Yeah, I, I, I figured that we'd have like, I I figured that court would just be down an eye and still kick everybody's ass. Right. Right. Um, but so like that, that's one of the very few details in the book that I was kind of taken aback by, even though I, I like the reason for it. Yeah. It's, it's sad. Like, court ruined a bunch of people but you you still don't like to see somebody strong um kind of fall to fall to dementia and incontinence like roland is there basically sending the nurses away and like talking to him even though most of the time court doesn't know who he is yeah and that's he says something about like like his father asks how court is basically Mm -hmm. and roland basically roland says he has days where he knows me. Right. And anybody who's ever had um, a relative or a loved one with dementia, Alzheimer's, any of that, like you do know how fast that can take somebody down. Right. And you, you know exactly how just like eviscerating it is to, to watch. Yeah. And, and so it's, they don't dwell on it. It's not played up for like, an emotional beat, but it's there. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I I thought that it was handled very, and that's, that's a topic that kind of hits very close to home for me personally. And I, I thought that it was handled very well. Yeah. And Roland, he feels guilty for doing this. Like he is doing this at the expense of like participating more in gunslinger duties. Like his dad even says like, Oh, did I raise you for the gun just so you could be a nursemaid? You know, like yeah. just so you could, you know, take care of somebody, no matter how good this is. Like we, we need, we need you elsewhere. In yeah. fact, so it we, we, we starts, starts out this. on a down note, but almost immediately gets pretty good. <laughs> because guess what? We got, the, we got a call um, and you've got a job now. We're going to send mm-hmm. you um, and your buddy, Jamie DeCurry. Off yeah, to- Elaine, Elaine and Cuthbert are They've got shit to do here. Uh, you, you and Jamie DeCurry, uh, the only person maybe like more stolid and steadfast than Roland. Yeah, the, 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 the only person who is more internal than Roland. Uh, yeah. Jamie DeCurry, the non-person. Yeah. There's there's a part where I, I don't even remember what Jamie said. He, he, he says like a sentence and it's it's something to the effect of like man that was weird <laughs> and then it's as though he realized he had been speaking too much he went quiet i'm very sorry for flying off the handle yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, yes yeah exact exactly that <laughs> um and also uh jamie DeCurry, they refer to him as jamie Redhand because he's apparently billy corgan is that a name for billy corgan Oh, well, no, but he has the same birthmark as Billy Corgan. Oh, huh. If you look up a picture, look up a picture of Billy Corgan. Uh, it is 
slightly upsetting to look at. And depending on how recent the picture is for several reasons, uh, because he's talking about chemtrails in the picture. Uh, well, ostensibly. Yeah. Uh, Billy, Billy Corgan, if you're listening to this, tweet your frustrations to at Brayton JC. So, so the, 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 the red hand has been kind of Jamie's kind of distinctive characteristic basically any time has come up but he's been thoroughly like a background character and he's very much kind of a non a non-presence in the story except that he has no he has another gunslinger here a gunslinger yeah, and, who and prefers to use his bow or crossbow yeah and, and he's he's mentioned as a member of roland's quartet but he doesn't really have a parallel in the present day quartet right. and he doesn't really have uh what's the word i'm looking for personality right right um, yeah, like a non-character is the exact right way to put it, which I was disappointed by, but at the same time, like it, it fits the story. Like I, I, I was disappointed, but I really can't fault Stephen King for it. Yeah. There's not really like room for Cuthbert in this. No, if, if it was Cuthbert, maybe if it was Elaine, it would work, mm-hmm. but I, like th- this is a Roland story and having Jamie there, like it wouldn't make sense if it was just Roland, but having Jamie there, it lets it be a Roland story. Right. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I think, I think that it's also implied that Steven knows that Roland would rather travel with either Elaine a- or Cuthbert. Um, oh, but clearly. He's, you know, he has, he has, he has very, very Jamie clearly. <laughs> because he knows that it would just be better for the job. So the, the, the idea is, they need to go to this town of Deberia um, to yeah, invest. Which is like a, a mining town that has seen better days, basically. Right. It's like a really stereotypical, like, declining Western town is the way that yeah, it is. I, I had a hard time not picturing it as um, the, the town where Derek Zoolander's father and brother live. <laughs> Uh, the black lung, a pop. Yeah, exactly. Like that's that was just kind of what I was picturing when yeah. uh, when Stephen was setting it up, and like that's not how it's characterized at all. But the way that he was explaining it, it's like, oh yeah, this is like <laughs> that's what this is. It's like on minus the... <laughs> minus comic relief. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's on the edge of like alkali flats, and it is below just kind of this. Uh, you know, these rocky crags that are just honeycombed with like salt mines. Like basically the only reason it still exists anymore is because, Oh, they found a little bit more salt in that there shaker. Uh, so we might as well just kind of keep it propped up, but like everything else in Midworld, outside of Gilead, uh, things are just kind of in decline. They're moving on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, fun, the, fun fact. Yeah. Real quick. Reading this, I had to look up what an alkali flat was. Oh, yeah. Because uh, I didn't know. And if you're like me and you don't know what that is and you were just kind of pretending like, oh, yeah, Alkali Flats. But yeah, totally. Um, but you didn't have a podcast that you were recording where you had to talk about it. Uh, and so you did not go on the Internet and look up what it actually is. Uh, it's basically a lake that used to exist, except that the area that it was in turned into a desert and so it dried out. And so it's just like highly, highly concentrated salt from evaporated salt water. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, like the Western Utah. Think that if, yeah. you're, if you're trying to picture, uh, if you're trying to picture an alkali flat. Yeah. 
Um, so just, you know, um, geography facts. Yeah, it's like not arable land and also probably not a very pleasant place to live outside of, you know, the boom and bust of the mining, right? Yeah. Oh, it sounds very bad. <laughs> Especially because they got a skin man running around. Yeah, everything about Debarius sounds bad. And then you throw a fucking, like, where menagerie on top of it <laughs> so skin men um you know they, they they pop up there's no real like strict definition but the idea is that there is a person uh, who is a shapeshifter uh who can turn into basically all kinds of dangerous animals and will go on these rampages um, yeah and, and, and what's what's very very interesting and i love i i love the shit out of like establishing a mythology and Stephen King does it very, very well. And that was one of my favorite things about um, that was one of my favorite things about Rose Matter, mm -hmm. because he just kind of had this. It, it, it was a mythology that was based loosely on Greek mythology, but he, he he let you know the entire time that that's not exactly what it was. Right. Um, and it, it was kind of clumsy and kind of clunky. And this is, I feel like, much more. Uh, I, I like this presentation much better. Right. But it's 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 like a werewolf or uh, a skinwalker or uh, any other kind of shapeshifter, except that those things exist in myths in Midworld, and this isn't quite any of that. Right, like they 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 bounce the questions off of like the yeah. the, the, the the lawmen and Debarius, saying like, okay, does it happen on full moons? Like, yeah, we've heard yeah. these stories. That's not the case. Well, is it yeah. a wolf? Like sometimes, but like they're they're just kind of like going through and like. Yeah, I'm not just making it, the reference to The Witcher because we just played that for just a couple of months ago. We played that for Watch Out for Fireballs. It really is like the sense of these gunslingers are, be, are being brought in for their knowledge of the mystic and also their ability to confront them and solve problems. Because, yeah. you know, what they have is something that I love about werewolf stories, which is it is kind of being blended in like it is living among the populace and it is a yeah. mystery that is built into the story. And one of my favorite features and i love this about literally every werewolf story that i've ever enjoyed uh and they totally go for this and they, they resolve it eh, earlier than i would have preferred <laughs> but there's ambiguity as to whether or not the person even knows that they are aware whatever right like they're, like they're they don't know they don't have any way of knowing like maybe this person genuinely has no idea yeah. that they are turning into these horrible monsters and killing tens and tens of people yeah. regularly. So even if we like they, shook him down, uh, you know, we couldn't like interrogate him because he wouldn't yeah. have any guilt. You can't yeah. be guilty about something you didn't know you did. Yeah. But in fairly short order, like I'm skipping ahead a bit, but no, this motherfucker knows what he did. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is the, this is the, the, the glee of the hunt. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know how it resolves because I have not read that far yet, but, um, yeah, yeah, this, um, this, this bastard's a real bastard. Yeah. Like, so Steven, Roland's dad doesn't believe the myth. He thinks that it's somebody who's just kind of like running around doing murders while wearing animal skins. Yeah. Um, and, and basically as soon as Roland and Jamie get there, <laughs> that's obviously not the case because no. they meet, they almost immediately meet someone who has had a run-in with this thing. Yeah, and a, uh, a dude and if wearing skins couldn't if do it's that. A dude, if it's a dude wearing animal skins, 
then that's a different sort of dude. And that's a whole other sort of problem. <laughs> right. Because this dude wearing animal skins bit a lady's head off. Right. And then ate another lady's half of her face. We kind of had a go. Like, tried to bite her head off, but missed and only got half her face instead. Right. <laughs> That's not a dude wearing animal skins, Stephen DeShane. Sorry. No. They're, not they're buddy, even they're, close. <laughs> their, their mystic teacher, Van A, thinks, yeah, it's totally something along the lines yeah. of what they're saying. Yeah, uh, and and Roland believes him. Yeah, Vene has a sense that this is legit, and and Roland's gut tells him to trust Vene, and Roland trusts his gut. Yeah, well, and there's also like, like trust the facts. Like it would be well, very difficult. It'd yeah. be very difficult for a single person to slaughter a ranch full of twenty people. Clearly, but also like I'm trying to think of an instance within the Dark Tower where Roland's gut has been wrong. I just looked through my Rolodex. I I can't. I'm sure that I'm sure there is your your your, your Rolodex. <laughs> Jesus, no! I, speci- <laughs> I, speci- I specifically didn't say Rolodex. <laughs> uh, I told you, man. Dad jokes. Dad jokes. I'm working. I'm working hard all the time. <laughs> it's a lifestyle. It's not a choice. <laughs> Uh, so DeBerry is a little bit uh, uh, beyond where Gabrielle did her exile, basically her penance for, you know, cheating on the Din of Gilead. And this starts up like a thing, like everybody warns Stephen or everybody warns Roland and uh, Jamie about the women who live there. Yeah, um, God, this is my this is one of my favorite things in this in this book so far, too. It, I mean, because it's like it's an easy thing. It's like setting up straw men of. You know, literal straw men who are um, uh, just a little bit skeptical or wary of what happens when a bunch of women live together, kind of like without mm-hmm. without them. Like you know, yeah. Stephen says, "Oh, they prefer the long stick," which Roland doesn't understand. He has to ask. Uh, he has to ask Jamie about it later. <laughs> yeah, which uh, is which is its own kind of comedy, right? Right, just because he's not, you know. <laughs> He's not as vulgar. He doesn't understand uh, what dil- you know dildos and or dildren, uh, depending on your preferred pl- you know pluralization, what those is, are. Is dildren a plural of dildos? No, no, that's a that, that that's a, that's an old uh, those damn Ross kids joke. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry, <laughs> I'm I am not as uh, no, no, I'm not as well versed in in your podcast history. <laughs> no, as, that's uh, fine. As you are, I guess. Yeah. No, it's, it's it's something my brother said, and it it was one of the most amazingly observed, just kind of um, observed observations about language that I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, the plural of dildo that is, is dildo. That is very good. Yeah, like that's that's even better. Like my 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 old roommate uh, re- referred to them as dildi, which I thought was quite good. Mm-hmm. But Dildren is much better. Yeah, it's a uh, like, it, it rolls off the tongue better. It really does. Like I'm, I'm, I'm honestly like kind of taken with that, which is a <laughs> weird thing when talking about a dildo. Yeah, well, I just uh, take that and use it, use it in the future. Like that's why we put it out there is because it's really yeah. Apt. And no, you know, I will, I will. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Chris Ross. Since, since that day, whenever whenever I talk about um, more than one dildo, it is always dildran. Like it, it doesn't come up as often as you would think, but <laughs> 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 it, 
Yeah. <laughs> <So>. I know. <laughs> I don't know how often I would think the plural of dildo comes up in any given human's life. See, the trick is sometimes you force it. Uh, well, that's I see. I from what I know about you, Cole, you would never force a dildo I mean, into a conversation. Let's at, let alone more than one. Right, right. Uh, just uh, you don't want to be uncouth. No, um, clearly, and you—you you are nothing if not a gentleman. <laughs> that is one of the least accurate statements I've ever heard. Um, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's—it's it's not like you're—you're yeah. you're a gentleman or you're nothing. Like it's, uh, you know, yeah. one of those two. Yeah, I—I uh, like to—I like to see the best in people. So I've been—I've yeah. been assuming. I, I've been assuming some some nice things about you, oh, but you thank know, you. Yeah. you. You know you better than I do. So yeah. I was just referring to the general the the the, the general filthiness of a, of my mouth more than anything. Oh, um, see, I I just kind of assume uh, all men are garbage. Yeah. Okay. Like myself included, for sure. Right. Um. But like within that context, you you seem like a, a pretty stand up piece of garbage. <laughs> So, Stephen, you know, he, he La says... Ladies, <laughs> ladies, take note. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, anyway. anyway so so um, Stephen says, yeah, they're, they, they prob they're probably all lesbians. Um, and the engineer of the train that they take out, uh, which which everybody calls Sma Toot, which is a great name for anything. Um, it the, it the, is, <laughs> I don't, the, I, I am constantly annoyed by the abbreviation of small to small. I, like, I don't know maybe, why. Maybe, maybe I can hear it more clearly. I don't, I don't know why. Like it just the, maybe it's like if, if you listen to the audiobook of this, it might, it, it, it very genuinely might not even be a thing for you, but like, yeah, even I've only I've only read this and like looking at it like S M A apostrophe toot like yeah uh, and, and Roland talks about back when he was small S M A apostrophe and like it has even before I got to small toot like it it has annoyed me yeah and it's it's one of those um it's one of those fantasy linguistic conventions that seems arbitrary and as a result pisses me off. It's the same way that like, uh, you know, let's, let's talk about George R. R. Martin song of ice and fire Stark blast. Mm -hmm. Um, like, Oh, the, the armor was dented. No, it was dented. What? It wasn't George R. R. Martin in in A Song of Ice and Fire in in all those books he it, he he replaces the e in dent with an i so it's dented so it's like dented. like like, like instead of like it's like a dent it is like by dint of will sort of but uh, but like just but, uh, like I know the word just, dent but like that's not <laughs> yeah but but just dent. Right. It's just the word dent, but fantasy dent. It's like it's, no, it's dented. It's an actual Your word. Shit I, I, is I, dented. I did, I did a search. Uh, dent uh, noun an impression or hollow in a surface. The soft dent yeah. top. Huh. Yeah. No, like it. It's a word, but like it's not a word that anyone in any world uses. Like. Right. I don't. Know. 
there's already a word that everyone knows <laughs> and it's dented seems alien just use it um <laughs> and that it like like small small instead of small like it hits me in the same way and it's like i love everything surrounding it i genuinely do and i hate to sound like i'm being a nitpicker about it but mm. like i mean the more the more that i read the more it pissed me off and you know if if anyone else is pissed off about small versus small tweet at cole ross on twitter <laughs> tweet at brayton jc um no 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 no. at cole ross <laughs> let him know he's wrong let him know let vent yeah. your anger so, so definitely it, it, it didn't stick and out for at, me at at Mr. Underscore Harder, tag me so that I can see it because I oh, want to know. Why, why are you bringing this down on me? Because uh, I don't actually have a good reason. No, like I so, really don't. So it didn't bother. I really, me. You, you have literally done nothing to me. You, you've done nothing bad to me ever in my entire time of knowing you, Cole. <laughs> you have been nothing but a positive presence in my life. Yeah. If you agree with me tweet all of your anger at cole okay <laughs> and tag me tag so, me so i can see it so the gauntlet has been thrown yeah so it definitely isn't as big of like as big of an issue for me um no it's, any, it's any also of the small not stuff. an issue at all within the story like right. it is such a minor <laughs> throwaway point um i am i am 100 percent being an asshole by like getting hung up on that even before i listened to the audiobook um you know just after reading reading it when it came out um i if 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 i saw something that was like oh it's like a like a like a tiny cute little thing i would call it a small toot yeah, yeah it's a small toot <laughs> i think the presence of toot in that really really oh. helps smooth it over oh. for me small small toot that's adorable small toot yeah that is that that's, is like but i'm but i'm saying of, small toot <laughs> well if if you say it like that then it sounds like small <laughs> right but i'm i'm saying it the way it's written small too yeah but yeah. if you but if you read it oh yeah yeah if you I, read it it's very obnoxious but if you say it if you say small too i i i generally i generally let things let let, let let things play themselves i might have to forcibly move us along from this no <laughs> no cole no <laughs> this far no further <laughs> so i'm just kidding i'm yeah. yeah no this is this is a ridiculous fucking sticking point um yeah so steven says yeah. hey they so probably that, sleep with each other and the, the engineer of small toot um says like he makes a point of saying several times over they eats the men's yes uh and that leads us to one of my my favorite things it's it's just fucking pure poetry when they're 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 talking to the engineer about Deberia and that he he brings up Serenity, which is um like the the women's conclave, I guess, where Gabrielle did her penance and where Roland and Jamie are ostensibly going to stop first. Um, and it, it's it's this conclave of women living by themselves, which clearly is dangerous and scary. Um. But he, he the, the, the engineer of the train, the engineer of small toot, says uh, the women there eat men and he he makes sure that they know he is not speaking figuratively. Right. Make sure it is not. He, he warns them. He, 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 he says it's, it's not just a way of speaking, boys. They dot 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 
eat dot 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 the men's. They may call you or make promises. They may even show you their titties, as they know a young man can't take their eyes off such. But never mind. Turn your ears from their promises and your eyes from their titties. <laughs> I I literally I was reading this on my lunch break at work and I started laughing so hard that I had to leave the lunchroom. <laughs> Lest you have to explain what it is you're laughing at. Yes. <laughs> and then I convinced myself it wasn't that funny and went back and read it again. <laughs> and it absolutely was that funny. And so I highlighted it to talk about. And my note in my Kindle, my footnote is read this twice. It's that funny. <laughs> so and and their reaction to this as well. Like there like there are a couple of points where somebody just says something fucking ghastly. And <laughs> the, the, the the diplomat in the, the diplomats in Roland and Jamie are just like roll eyes. Ha ha ha. <laughs> that's funny, huh? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, yeah. Yeah. Like, like Ro Roland and Jamie are so uncomfortable. Yeah. It's a like, they are exactly as uncomfortable as I feel like any normal human would be, which right. is great. The, um, the delivery in the audiobook again, it's, it's, it's written by Stephen King and they're like, there's, there's a little bit of like, whenever there is something kind of questionable that an author writes. And I think King gets this a lot because he's not afraid of, you know, depicting somebody who has a has a streak of despicableness to them. His delivery on these lines is really amazing. Specifically, the uh, the the oft repeated refrain of "They eat the men." So they they, they get to Serenity, um, and they find out very quickly that it is not uh, it is not nowhere near as bad as they think. Uh, there's a little bit of context, like the train derailed. Like that's why they stopped outside of town. And they end up walking into this den of people whose promises they should turn their ears from um, and titties they should turn their eyes from um, <laughs> and say, like, oh, you know, uh, they, they meet this uh, kind of the, the, the head sister of this, uh, Sister Ever Everlyn, who was a massive, massive woman, um, you know, but very impressive and very uh, gregarious, brings them in. It's kind of like, hey, yeah, like, you know, let's let's talk about this. But she has um, she has an interest because she takes them and says, like, hey, you're, if you're here to, you know, stop the skin man, well, we were one of the places that they attacked. Let me let me show you to for let me show you Fortuna. Um, who's this young woman with a disfigured face? The skin man came in, attacked Serenity, killed an unnamed Dolores, uh, basically popped her top like she, you know, she was a Pringles can. Um, and he was about ready to open up Pop, another one. Popped her, hold on. Popped her top is like the most family friendly euphemism for decapitation I've ever heard. So I was, I was trying to think like, Oh, he cracks into her like a cold one, but you don't like bite into We also don't bite into the top of a, a top of a Pringles can. No, like he picks her up and he like, just, he, he takes a bite out of her. Like she was the top part of a candy bar. That he, no, that, that he didn't you're, like. you're absolutely right. Like that, that absolutely conveys what happens. I'm just saying, well done. Like, that is a, a ghastly situation. And you have supplied a very approachable euphemism. I, I could, I could, I can go classy too. I could say, "You ever seen the painting Saturn devours his children?" It's kind of like that. Um, Ooh. Uh, but Fortuna, yeah. you know, like she, her, her face is mostly covered in 
and bandages. Her nose is gone. They say, oh, her nose is just a bloody channel at this point. She she wishes that she had died. Um, and far from being purely comforting, like Everlyn says, hey, that's blasphemy. You're gonna need to you're gonna need to do extra extra god exercises uh, to work that off. Um, I I don't know the actual term that she uses. Extra prayer that, prayers or whatnot. That that sounds right. Yeah, <laughs> take, take take a god lap. Um, but yeah, like Ever, Everlyn only managed to save Fortuno because she had a blunderbuss. Uh, basically, it was loaded up like that shotgun lamp from the Great Outdoors. They had no idea if it would even fire, but you know, got rid of it. So she says, hey, you need to go and solve this. But also when you're done, I need you to come back because I have something for you, you know, rolling from your from your mom. Not going to give it to you now because I'm really interested in you finishing this job. So um, they have a bit more of like a dossier, like they know that the that the skinny man can change it into different animals. And they talk about this on their road before they get to Debaria itself, which is this kind of stereotypical Western town. Uh, you've got John Voight running around with Vince Vaughn. They've got Black Lung. Or is it Martin Sheen? Is it Martin Sheen in uh in in Zoolander? Who plays the dad? In- I well, it's Martin Sheen that plays the dad, but they both. I want to say, I want to say everybody has black lung. Mm. Okay, I, I, I forget. I forget who played uh, Derek Zoolander. I'm going to be very honest. I have not watched Zoolander in a long time. <laughs> it was it was just funny because like the like in the movie like the the the, the joke is now the joke in Zoolander is. No, I'm not gonna. <laughs> um, so they so they meet the uh they meet the sheriff. Uh, he's this big old white haired man who kind of sounds like Santa Claus. Name's name's Hugh Peavy. Um, and he's real bummed out that uh, Stephen himself isn't here. That uh that that uh, he sent off for you know the hero for the descendant of Eld, and all I got was these two stinking these two meddling kids. Yeah, Hugh Hugh Peavy. Um. He he had an, uh, a run in or, or or an experience with Stephen DeShane when he was younger. Mm-hmm. Well, he and that like kind eight. of like that kind of like shaped his entire career. Yeah, because he was like a he was like a like a teenager or something when when Stephen DeShane came around. They they went and uh, took out the Crow Gang, and yeah. they were the only two survivors because Stephen DeShane had the good sense not to go charging right in their front door. Uh, Stephen took a bullet uh, in, the, in the altercation, so PV uh, took out his knife, pried out the slug. Um, <laughs> Stephen kept it, um, and actually he sent it back with Roland to give back to PV as kind of a you know a reminder, like yes, this is the you know you you, you should trust this person, you should trust my son, uh, you know to deal with this. And it's a cool story, like it's a couple pages long, but it is like a good Western story of like rounding up a posse and outsmarting a group of bandits. Yeah. And like, he's so stoked about it that you can't help but get caught up. <laughs> like it's it's great. It's yeah. It, it it it's. I'm I'm not like uh by by any means like an aficionado for like like westerns or 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 that entire move like cultural uh, media movement, but like you you can't help but get caught up in just like how badass Stephen DeShane is and how much this guy wants to do right by him. And you, yeah. you want to root for this guy. And it's like, Oh, like it's not Stephen DeShane, but it's, it's his son. And like, he's, he's trying real hard to be a hard ass, but not too much of a hard ass and to like trust him, but also show, like it's, 
it's great. Like th- this is Stephen King's characterization, like on point. Yeah, and we get very few opportunities to hear about the exploits of Stephen Deshane. Um, Absolutely, yeah. And so you have to kind of like treasure each and every one of them. Um, yeah, I want to know more about the Crow Gang, but I think I know enough Same. about the Crow Gang. <laughs> so PB takes them over to mission, to mission Control, which is a wall and a piece of chalk. Um, and he draws up a map of Tiberia saying, hey, here are the places where the skin man has, has attacked. He puts up X's. Um, and this is where they talk over like a couple of the options of the way this, the ways this could shake out. Does it respond to the moon? No. You know, is it a wolf? Sometimes, you know, like we said, PB thinks that the skin man is a creature from the deep cracks, uh, which is an amazing sentence. Um, I like that quite a bit. Uh, and also, you know, makes sense. Like the deep cracks, like we saw over the wastelands, um, as they were, as they were powering over it in Blaine, uh, the idea that like, oh, it's just probably like a, a toad ash monster from a thinny. Uh, Roland thinks that maybe it is a person who dug up an artifact. Yeah, and, which immediately, like, like upon reading that, I'm like, oh, I hope that's what it is. <laughs> See, the thing is, I forget what it is. I forget if that is the explanation. And that if it is, that might explain why I put this, why I put desperation right before this. Because that is yeah. that is completely the uh, the um, that is completely the, completely the, the story of desperation. Yeah, pretty pretty much. Yeah, uh, I, I guess that I guess that's fair. Yeah, I, I forget why I put desperation here, so I really hope that turns out to be the case, and that wasn't just me like doing a placeholder thing and then not fixing it. <laughs> so he takes the boys, says like, "Hey, uh, there are no hotels here." He laughs at them for thinking that there would be a place to sleep. And it turns out they have to spend their entire time here in the drunk tank. Because why not? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, if 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 you're uh, an, an elite law enforcement uh, agent and you're you're going to rescue a town, yeah. uh, if they put you up in the drunk tank, I can't imagine you'd complain, right? It puts you right near the action. It puts you puts you near the jing jang. Yeah, you're right by the jing jang. Yeah, and you know it is so. It is so treasured by this by the sheriff's department. They have a note up and everything. They use paper to say, "Hey, don't touch this without permission." They misspell permission as permission. Yes, correct. Yeah, <laughs> they have a telephone. Used to it used to go to uh, to uh, Gilead, but it doesn't anymore. Um, oh man, I just had a just had a flash here. Nick Andros sleeps in the drunk tank in um in uh, the stand when he first gets to Shoyo. Yeah. Oh, he does. I, I like that. It's not like everything has to be a callback to everything, but uh, that's t- totally the case. So late at night, while they're sleeping in the cell, the Jing Jang starts ringing. Um, uh oh! Turns out uh, the Skin Man has struck. Uh, he's up at the old Jefferson Ranch, um, and the way that they describe what the Skin Man has done to this place is they've turned it into an abattoir, uh, which is the most gentle description that we get. It's pretty horrifying. The the only way it would be scarier is if you saw some of this happen in practice. But coming to yeah. it, like there are parts of it that are even glossed over to say, like, yeah, that part was just all blood. Yeah, there are um for for I mean, like this is this is a video game podcast network. You guys know what I'm talking about when if uh-huh. I say NPCs. Um, there are NPCs in the story who are just like. Oh, you want to know about that? Nope, it was bad. 
Yeah, like that. I mean, they 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 call up these gunslingers, but there are also like local people who are around just trying to figure this out. They just yeah, they like, you know like like I think all told it's like twenty dead, and the way that it said like the way that it's put it like oh the butcher bill came to about twenty. Yeah, like no nobody even knows how to handle this shit. Like right. it's that bad, and like Roland and Jamie don't know how to handle it. No, they're kids. Like they've yeah. seen a bunch. Like they, you know, like Roland's all active combat. They get there, and like Roland has seen some fucking shit at this point. Yeah, and they get there, and he's like, "I've never seen anything like this." And he looks at Jamie, and his first thought is like, "Fuck! I hope Jamie doesn't pass out." Yep. Like <laughs> it's that bad. It's, it's so bad. Even by Stephen King fan standards, his description is upsetting. Yeah. Um, And it gives you a little bit of a sense like, oh, this isn't this isn't just PV being shitty about kids or not understanding, you know, that even a young a young gunslinger can be effective. No, he just knows kind of the gravity of the situation. Like he he knows he knows what they're up against because he has seen, you know, roughly every two weeks another one of these. Um, and he's kind of sick and tired of it, but yeah, everybody's dead, completely snarling. The person who called like all that he heard was roaring and gunshots. Um, I love this scene, you know, that they're, they're following the tracks that start out, um, I think is like a, like, like a bear, like an 800 pound bear or whatever. They're following the tracks and they, they just see as they slowly morph into like, oh, like, oh, they're hooked. So they turn into a bull here. Oh, wait a minute. Wait, now he's. Now, now here's barefoot human. Now they're now, now here's cats as he's jumping over stuff like this is he doesn't just pick a transformation for a night and go about his business. He is like shifting depending on what is what is appropriate for what he's doing. Yeah. And they see it in just one line of footprints. That is a very cool visual idea. Yeah, which and it it continues and it's something that. In, in in a weird sort of way sticks with you <laughs> but the uh, but the footprints they lead to uh to an abandoned stable uh where they find a fresh pile of horse shit uh described as horse apples um mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite ways Just of saying described as horse apples and then literally two paragraphs later described as horse shit <laughs> just in case you were on which i i love that because like horse <laughs> app like i feel like horse apples is a common enough thing everybody knows it right but Stephen, right. Stephen king is like nope yeah like yeah i know but it's <laughs> horseshit let's not split hair well, i mean like any good edit any good editor will make you uh not use the same word too much in the same uh the the, the, the same run of text right yeah you, know, you gotta vary it up that way you don't hit the same note every time <laughs> but um like this gives them enough information so yes the person we're dealing with he knows what he is doing this is not somebody who transformed while he was sleeping and you know made a tear this is somebody who rode a horse to this ranch intending to target it transformed did what he needed to do came back here and you know ran away um and also it's you know pretty clear from what they from what they see here that it's a salty it's one of the uh it's one of the salt miners yeah <laughs> so um as they're going to leave they see this big pile of abandoned old tack uh they see it shift and there's a boy inside he's he he was he was uh uh spontaneously generated uh and this is bill streeter 
uh, the son of one of the cooks at the ranch uh, who has hidden for his life. And, and and like you you know as soon as they meet him that his dad's dead. Oh well, because everybody else at the ranch is dead. Yeah, you, you don't know who his dad is, but you know he's dead, and right. that sucks. And he's terrified. Like he just wants a straight answer. Nobody wants to give it to him. Roland, you know, despite all the stuff that he's seen, he's still a kid. He's not ready to break this kind of bad news to a small child to to a small child that he's just met. Um, so he actually leaves, he leaves it to Sheriff Peavy to, to, you know, to, to say this, to say like, yeah, yeah you know, you're <laughs> welcome, welcome to the world of being an orphan. Hi. Yeah. It's um... like, which is, I, I, I guess the best you can hope for. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the sheriff. Like there are probably a lot of times where a police person has, broken that news and all of a sudden i'm way too bummed out by the ideas that i'm entertaining about small children being left alone in the world but um bill streeter you know the kind of the kind of the stock standard little boy with gumption he manages to hide and they have to figure out what to do with him. you know like <laughs> they end up taking him back to the back to the jail you know to keep to, to keep him around he was too scared when he saw what happened to really have any to have any details to, to be oh, able to yeah. relate anything of any real of any real value beyond just it was scary and I ran. But Roland has a has has a trick up his sleeve. They put together a plan. Um, Roland, as pragmatic as ever, decides, "Hey, we can use Bill as bait if it is broadcast loudly to the entire village, to all the salties, that there is a survivor who saw something." Um, that may get the person to reveal themselves. We're going to keep, we're going to keep Bill in the, in the jail, keep an eye on him. Um, in the meantime, we're going to interview every single salty. Um, and Roland, in order to get more information, decides to use his bullet trick to hypnotize Bill to learn more. So Roland ultimately does use his bullet trick to hypnotize Bill, but does, does he set out intending to do that? Cause it, it kind of seems like he has the idea, but then decides against it. And then Jamie kind of talks him into it. He he didn't want PV to know that that was something he could do because it is not something reliable. Um, Jamie, Jamie knows that Roland can do this because Roland has done it before and, you know, notably did it with Susan. But Roland says, yeah. like, oh, Susan wanted to tell us stuff. She just couldn't pull it up. Um, you know, so if they, if they told PV that if they could do this, then it would be over promising, then it would create more problems. He decided to take it and do it in private. So that way there wasn't the weight of expectation. And if it failed, then whatever shrug, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And it's a process like, because, you know, he's remembering things that he himself blocked out the process of you know hypnotizing is taking this person back and making them relive it. Um, and the way you keep them down is saying like, oh, I'm here. I've got my guns. I'm here to protect you. Just tell me what you see. Um, and he keeps fighting it. But ultimately, you know, turns out he didn't see much. He did see two things about the uh, about the person who did this, you know, when he was hiding, you know, when this person hopped back on his on his horse, he saw that he had a blue band around his ankle. They determined it's a tattoo. Uh, and also there was a white mark. But the white mark is kind of uh, glossed over. Yeah. So they've got that. And Roland, you know, he's riding kind of high on this. He's thinking, okay, uh, blue bands, why not? We've got this. I'm going to go make some, have a blacksmith make some special bullets, and we're going to 
We're, oh, wait, turns out that's the mark of people who were condemned to death at the stockade. Oh, pretty much exclusively criminals work at the salt mines. So we didn't take it from 200 down to like one. We took it from 200 down to 185. Yeah. <laughs> Which is better, but not great. Yeah. And he almost like, he notices the, uh, the sheriff laugh when uh, the, he breaks the news and he almost like breaks his jaw. <laughs> it's a yeah. real, it's a real moment of uh, the wind being taken out of Roland's sails. So upsy daisy and we're kind of left on the, on the eve of this big day of starting the interrogations, you know, and Roland um, is stuck with a kid, you know, it's him and Jamie and they're in the jail and Bill is restless. Obviously you would be and says, Hey, will you, um, will you tell me a story? You know, can you know, just to you know, pass the time, help me go to sleep. And after some hemming and hawing, Roland decides to tell the story that he's reminded of, you know, thinking of these, uh, thinking of these shapeshifters and such and prepares to tell uh, the wind through the keyhole, the story of Tim Stoutheart, of his dad, Big Ross and his mom, Nell um, on the edge of the endless, uh, of the endless forest. Uh, that is a setup that is incredibly intriguing to me, not just because it has my own name in it, um, <laughs> but that is also where we're going to stop on the edge of this, uh, of this fairy tale where we learn not just about, what uh, about what Midworld uh, once was? But the, we learned kind of the stories that Midworld tells about itself. Yeah, oh, it's so hard not to keep reading. Do it like we're you know, the, the oh, clock, clock's a ticking. I'm I'm literally as soon as we get off this call, like as soon as we are done recording, yeah. I'm going to keep reading. Make <laughs> no mistake, like yeah. that is my plans for the rest of the evening. You're going to enjoy it. It's good. We're, we're going to get some, uh, I don't want to spoil too much. We're going to get some primo Randall flag content in this. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's where we're going to go. Uh, if you're reading along, there's no strict chapter marker that we're going to hit. We're going to stop the next episode after Tim gets his gun. Got it. Yep. Cool. Um, cool. Well, thank you everybody for listening to this. Evan, thank you so much for coming on and uh, talking cool. about Thank you so book. much for having me. Yeah. Um, I'm happy you're enjoying this. I, you know, I, I, I love this. I, I absolutely love it. Um, I'm going to keep doing Radio Free Midworld until you agree to do a reboot fan cast with me. That is my long game. <laughs> I'm not letting that go. I'm 100% serious. Yeah. Um, let's, let, let's look at after, look at it after this show ends. Nope. Nope, you uh, you need to commit right now. No, but, but you just said if I say yes to that, then you're not going to do this show anymore. And I I, I like having I you on here. Definitely didn't say that. I'm going to keep doing this show. I'm okay. going to keep reading okay. these fucking books. <laughs> uh, like let's let's be real. I'm not going to stop reading the Dark Tower. Uh, yeah. Where even... um, where can people find you on the internet outside of these oh. uh, outside of these shows? Uh, people can find me at Mr. Underscore Harder, all spelled out on Twitter. Um, I'm, like, if you're on Facebook, you can probably look me up, but I don't really do anything that interesting on Facebook. And uh, if you if you need anything written for you, uh, that's a thing that I do. So drop me a line. Uh, right now, it's www.evanjonesthorn.com is my portfolio and my contact info. So. Uh, I'd, I'd love to hear from you if I can do anything for you. Cool. Yeah. 
Um, you can find me. Um, I'm, I'm on Twitter at Cole Ross. That's K O L E R O S S. No relation to Tim or Big Ross. Um, please, Big Ross is my father. I'm Medium Ross. Um, <laughs> anyway, that was that yeah, was a Cole, dumb joke. Cole is Cole is at Medium Ross on Twitter. <laughs> yep, I'm Medium Ross. God, if nobody has that, you have to lock that down. You realize that, right? <laughs> yep. Uh, medium Ross oh, in a medium beautiful. place. It's so good. Um, um, you can if also, you, if go, you go aren't already, you need to go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Um, I've been a, a patron for like three or four years at this point. I always make sure that I give to Duckfeed because the people that make up the Duckfeed network are fucking incredible and they work so hard and the content that they make is so much fun and any anything that I can give and anything that you can give helps them make that happen so thank you yeah, you, you, made, you made a much more effective uh, plea than I than I ever could and like it's important to me like I I no longer have a day job like this is this is a major part of the way that I support myself this show and you know a bunch of others that are that are of a similar vein. Uh, and you can, yeah. check, you can check those out. Like, even if you don't give like, uh, let's say like 95% of the content it, it is available to you. Um, just by going to duckfeed.tv and checking out the shows and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, with all of that, I want to, uh, let's, uh, let's draw this to a close. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in in two weeks for the rest of, uh, not the rest of, but for a continuation of the one from the keyhole. Um, and until then long days and pleasant nights. Thank you, Sai. Si.